Welcome to Ink and Magic, a podcast where we read and discuss the writing craft, world building, and romance of paranormal and fantasy novels. If you love books with bite, set in worlds of magic and mayhem, then you're in the right place. My name's Nikisha Shanae. I go by an S. And I'm Leslie. I write as Elle Penelope. And welcome to the show. Today's episode is brought to you by HEA Quest from Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Association. HEA Quest is an online-only four-hour event featuring three stellar panels of industry experts, as well as breakout rooms for networking with fellow authors. If you write any combination of fantasy, science fiction, and romance, from paranormal romance to space opera, then you'll want to be there on Saturday, January 20th, 2024. The speakers include some of our favorite people, like author Sarah Cannon, author coach Becca Syme, along with my former editor, Monique Patterson, from the Bramble Publishing Imprint. For more information or to register, go to events.sfwa.org slash H-E-A quest. Hey, Leslie, we are back for another installment. This time we are hostages to pleasure. Hostage to pleasure. Can we talk about these titles for just a second? Because we haven't done it yet. I know you really want to. What do you have to say? All I have to say is, like, I what's up with them? <laughs> I mean, no. I'm not complaining necessarily, but is it just like a, a title generator from some sort <laughs> of computer program that just puts in nouns? And, like, and they just seem a little random sometimes. And, like, they're they're on brand. You know, they're consistent across the series. But, like, what is up with them? I don't know. Um, working backwards, uh, Ashaya. And forgive me, I will say Ashaya and Ashaya at the same time. <laughs> she she was a hostage. So, and and then we have the word pleasure because that's what the the cats bring, right? That feels like a huge stretch. Like, yeah, you can say, okay, the son was a hostage. Maybe no, Doreen she was, was a hostage, hostage too. What? And when she was like locked in the lab and everything. Oh, yeah, when they when they had st- basically stole her away and say, you're doing this. But yeah, to pleasure. Like, yes, you can say anybody could be a hostage. Pleasure. I still feel like this is a reach, if that's how you're titling your books. But, you know. Mine to Possess. The last book. uh, I I felt like, um, I'm already forgetting people's names. Was that Clay and Tally? I felt like Clay was very possessive. But aren't they all? That could have been all books could okay, be called Minds to Possess. I can't, I can't argue that one. Um, Cross by Ice Book 3 with Judd. Yes, he's icy. He's icy. But at the same her. time. Yeah. I, I there is it's a reach. I'm feeling this like this is a yoga position that they're in in these titles. <laughs> visions of heat. Visions. Faith had visions. Of hotness. Oh. <laughs> What was the heat she was envisioning? Well, no, the heat is the is the leopard of it all. The heat was um, Vaughn. Vaughn was the heat. Again, that could have been the title of book one. <laughs> I'm trying. And I know you're trying. And I'm just sensation, being. The slave part, I'm not sure. But sensation, like Sasha was feeling a lot of sensation. As was Faith. As was them all. I tried. I tried. I I, it's not a complaint necessarily. It's just an observation of every time because I can never remember what the name of any of these books are. I'm looking on my list. I, that's the only way I know because they don't seem to be 
connected like intrinsically to the storyline of the characters. Mm-hmm. I guess that is my point. Like as a marketing tool, which is what a title and a cover should be, and we'll talk about the cover next too, then okay, they work. They're giving me something that's, you know, in the vein of what I'm reading, but like I don't know the names of any of these things. I feel like that I feel like this is something that happens a lot in paranormal romance. I feel like they start a naming convention and then they just keep on the naming convention. Like think Cressley Cole's Immortals After Dark series. I can tell you any of those books titles. I can tell you the characters. But Except for Lothair, because that's his name, right? Right. right. <laughs> I can always tell you what Lothair's book is. Yes, absolutely. Yes. When they when she started naming the books by the heroes' names, yes. And that's helpful. But even think J.R. Ward, like it was always love or something. Dark that's lover. True. Eternal lover. Lover awakened. Yeah. And they could be very generic. Exactly. Sometimes they were more, you know, consistent or more integrated than others. But yeah, you're right. I guess it's just a, a thing with with paranormal romance, and with I long think, series. I think the readers always say such and such as books, like Zadis's book, right? Yeah. And whatever that was called, because I have no idea, <laughs> but I read it. <laughs> I read it a lot, but I, I don't know which one it was. Yeah. The third one. I know that. Right. Yeah. Number three. Sometimes you remember the numbers. Sometimes not. Like after, you know, Chrisley Cole, I don't know whose book was what. I'd have to really study that uh, reading list. <laughs> Just like with this one. This series. Yeah. Okay. Cover. Once again, we have a dark-skinned protagonist, the heroine. We have She has been described in the previous novel as having dark brown skin, ice blue wolf eyes. Every cover er, from every country is a white woman. And that a woman is depicted on the cover. We had this conversation in the last book episode about whitewashing the cover, so we don't have to rehash it too much. I just want to bring it to the attention of the universe, <laughs> and they have not been recovered. They have not been fixed. Yeah, I wish that. I, I wish that there's. There's. I think courage could at least be had now with the publishers to yeah. to do a rebranding, like in indie publishing, which is where I make my bread and butter. Recovers happen often, especially as times change, as trends change, as you start to grab a new audience. And if you want to grab, there's so many new people, there's so many new readers that have been born. So I think, again, publishers, this is your opportunity. And publishers do it too. Like if you look at like Elisa Kleypas book, how many covers do those books have? Oh, fair. You know, they they do it a lot. They, I mean, they can if they, if they choose to. Now, obviously mm-hmm. not every book, but big books, books that sold well, will get new covers every, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years. They'll come up mm-hmm. with new editions. Yeah. we. I think it's time for a refresh, a rebrand and a more accurate covers because- And to bring in new readers. Yeah, it would, it would do a good job of bringing in new, new readers. And if new readers are finding the series because of its reputation and because of Nalini Singh's reputation, they deserve covers that are not whitewashed. Yeah, yeah. And treat your author right, because I'm sure, I'm, I don't know her, I've never had a conversation with her, but I'm sure she would appreciate it too, since she's doing all this work between the covers. Yeah, I mean, she is creating an inclusive world that we all love to see. She was doing it before most of the people in the genre were doing it. Mm-hmm. And she deserves her roses for that. And we're not, obviously, we're not blaming her for the covers. But yeah, like as, as a sign of respect for Ms. Singh. And her that. readers. And her readers. <laughs> so the actual contents of the of Hostage to Pleasure, yeah, book five. Here. So it starts with a prologue, which I promptly forgot. The prologue was a little bit less of a hook, I guess. Sometimes it really gives you an idea of what's to come or, you know, but it's still, 
I wrote down to love is to be flawed, which came from the the prologue, and it just it gives you the vibe. You know, you're you're you know you're entering this world again, um, and it gives you a little bit of information. But I don't know how much new we're learning. Like a lot of times, you're you're getting a lot more backstory and history. Here, it was a little bit of that, but it was short, and it was just more vibey to me. And then it opened up to chapter one, and it was the most action packed chapter one so far. We come yeah. in and we're in media red, right? <laughs> yes, which we love. Starting and in the middle of things. We're for starting the- in the middle of a ambush. Yes. We know that there's a sniper that they're about to take down um some kind of villain. We don't know who it is. It's she she it really gets your your blood. And she's not telling you whose point of view it's from yet. I love the artistry. And mm-hmm. how she crafted this scene, slowly giving you pieces of what was happening, increasing the tension. And then we see who um, is about to shoot. And then we see who they're actually about to save. It was really well done. And because, you know, we find out it's Dorian's POV and Dorian is the sniper. And it's like he actually disassociates. Like the sniper is a different aspect of his personality, which when we are in the POV, it's the sniper. And then she actually changes it into Dorian. He shook off the sniperness, however she wrote it, which was much better than what I just said. But you're right. Yeah. The sniper growled and became a man named Dorian again. His cold control falling away. That's the quote. And it was, that's just a really cool way to do that. So. Yeah. I remember reading that, but I was so into it that I didn't even, that I didn't make that connection. Yeah. That was, that was some really, really good craftsmanship that she did there. But the whole point of this is a rescue mission because in the last book we learned that Dorian has made a promise to the woman that has helped to free the children in the last book. Last yeah. book. Um, he's made a promise to Shea to free her son. Keenan, and Keenan is being moved by Sai because he is the bargaining chip to keep Ashea in line. Right, and when he, you know, Dorian is the first one to. Keenan has been tied up. He's blindfolded. He's in complete sensory deprivation mode, and so Keenan un unbinds him, and they bond immediately, basically. And so when Keenan accidental. Was, it's actually well, they, they bond on an emotional level, and then accidentally, when Keenan is pulled out of the signet by Judd, because of the bond on with purpose. Dorian, yeah. yeah, on purpose, they, and they think he's going to join Judd's family's network of Psy. He joins Dorian in the Web of Stars with the Dark River Pack. Like nobody even knew that could happen, and they figure, okay, blood bond, that's why. And so I know in the first book, I wasn't a fan of the whole blood bond reason for the. Um, the network being formed for Sasha being pulled into Lucas, but it's it's being used a lot. So it's it's very useful and it's grown on me, I guess, because it yeah. allowed this to happen. And remember, Dorian lost his sister. And when we meet him in the very first book, he is very broken. He is, yes. he is he's pushing people away. He's not trying to bond with anybody. He's like, Sasha, back up. And so when he rescues this kid and he tells this kid, I'm you're good, you're okay. I'm gonna make sure you're safe. That is what's like the kid latches on, Dorian latches on, and that bond happens. But then when we get to Ashea's point of view, she feels herself. She, it feels like he, he dies. Right. When he leaves the sign that she can't feel him anymore. And I think did, did her bond, her mother-son bond with him end right then too? Like, yeah, she can't tell if he's alive or dead at that point. Yeah. Yeah. She can't tell. 
Um, I don't know if her mother son if that went away, but she doesn't. I know that she does not know until she and Dorian come face to face. But she feels she feels that, and then she like she, it's go time for her, and she fakes her own death. Yeah, this first chapter has a lot happening. We've got the whole action scene at the beginning. We're introduced to Vasek, who is our teleporting Psy Arrow character, who becomes important, as I recall, later. And then, yeah, we we have Ashaya planning to fake her own death. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're dumped in. And I also thought that it was interesting how, like, Ashaya believes she is silent. Well, we're led to believe we're led in her to believe she's first silent. chapters that she's silent. She's like, oh, it's like she's trying to convince herself. Later on, we find out she knows she hasn't been silent for decades. But um, the reason is interesting and we'll, we'll get to it. Right. The other thing that's different about this book is that each chapter, just about each chapter has an epigraph. This is the first time she's used chapter epigraphs which from in-world texts, texts, from in-world texts as the beginning oh, of each chapter. And so that's, you know, used a lot of times by fantasy authors and science fiction authors to expand the world, to give you more backstory, to give you more information that might not be appropriate in the chapter. And so Nalini Singh does that really well. This first chapter, we have an epigraph from a character named Ileana, who we don't know who it is at first, but, um, you know, it's from a letter that was written and it, it's about being silent. Your heart is ice, your mind a flawless prism. So we're getting little drips of additional information about Ashaya's backstory, about Dorian's backstory and state of mind at various points that we don't necessarily get uh, inside the actual content. I like, again, with the craft, I really like what she's doing. She, I, I started peeping her doing this in um, Clay's book where she starts to ask these questions and she doesn't give you all the answers immediately. And she's doing that. She did that um, in, um, when, in Judd's rescue, excuse me. She did, she did that in um, Dorian's rescue. And then she does that with Eliana. You don't know who she is. And then she's mm -hmm. going to do it again with Amara and you don't know who right. she is. I really love how she's doing and how she makes a mystery of who the players are and whose sides there are. So it's just like she's keeping the reader on their toes as you're figuring out how all of these bonds are about to come together. And also when she's introducing, there's additional villains that pop up in this mm -hmm. book that we get perspectives of and they're at first, we're not sure who they are. There's, you know, some psi villains and some human villains. And then, the, you know, the ongoing saga of Caleb Krychek and the council. And there's lots of questions that are being answered. Lots of doors opened that you don't even get to peek into. You just, you hear the door opening and it's like a sliver. And it's going to be books and books of unraveling these mysteries. So you just I, want to keep reading. I want to see her series Bible. I know she said she's a pantser. <laughs> She has to have a series Bible or something, note scribbled on a napkin to keep all of this in order. And I would, I would love to see how she does this because okay, and we're kind of going out of order because we're just so excited. Okay, but so Ashaya, um, after she feels her son, um, like d go away, she mm -hmm. fakes her death, and she fakes her death by stopping her brain with tick poison. Yeah. There's a lot of like, well, not a lot, but there's some sciencey stuff in here that is very cool, I thought. And she's an M side, so she's a medical side. That's her ability and her natural ability is to actually be able to see DNA and understand DNA. 
which is a fantastic ability as it turns out. But um, yeah, just showing like the competence born is kind of there too. Like she has this masterful plan about how she's going to fake her own death. And in order to be, uh, to appear actually dead, her brain has to die, but she can't actually be dead. And it's complicated, but it works mm-hmm. out. And we, we really respect her and the, the big risk that she took. And in this where she, and when she fakes her death, she knows she has a 10 hour time frame to appear dead. And she has allies. Mm-hmm. We knew she had allies from the last book. We knew she had a little bit of help, but we didn't know really the extent. But yeah, she gets, she has her allies helping her out. And one of them is Vasic. Mm-hmm. We don't really understand why he's doing what he's doing or if we can really trust him. But he comes in and he teleports her to Link's territory. L-I-N-X-Y. Link's. Mm-hmm. The animal links, which is on the edge of Dark River territory, but it's not exactly their territory. It's these actual animals, not shifters. Actual I think animals. It's, I think it's inside of Dark River territory, but it's just a place where these links, these yeah, mundane links, I guess, uh, <laughs> congregate. <laughs> like not changelings. Um, <laughs> So yeah, she's attacked and because when Dorian, we're in his perspective, he finds out, he's like, oh, he gives us the exposition about this is a a place that we know that these links are and it's dangerous to go. So nobody goes there. So, but he goes there. (laughs) He, he, he comes to her rescue. She, um, and again, I love, I love it when a chapter kind of ends. One of the ways that I like to think about chapter endings are to think of them as like um, punctuation points Mm -hmm. so you don't want to end on a period because that's just kind of finale finality you want to be sparing on how you end with like an exclamation point like literally something goes bang or another way is to do like a dash where there's an interruption or ellipsis and it's like so she is important this is this is me i like to categorize things and this is me categorizing but um what she does is she ends this chapter with with uh with ashaya Facing off these links, like, what am I going to do? Dun, dun, dun. And then yes. in comes Dorian. Yeah. No, and a lot of times she will have the the dash. Like, you're literally, I think I wrote something down. Later on, she does this. And I made a note of it because it was in a very jarring place. But just in the middle of the scene. Okay, new chapter. You you have to keep turning the page. That's one way to do the hook. And yeah, there's, there's multiple ways. And she uses them all. And it, it just, it keeps you reading. So it is a very good technique. Yes, very good technique. So one of the thing, other things, I can't remember exactly where um, this happens in the book, but um, there's there, it comes up about children, about children. Um, like how changelings view ch- children? How Psy view ch- children, not changelings. Oh. And I think it happens after Dorian rescues her because she won't, she finds out that Keenan is okay. Her son is Keenan. She finds out that Keenan is okay, but she will not go and see him. And mm-hmm. it perplexes the, the changelings. But it I, makes them mad. It makes Dorian actually angry. Like he's thinking, she's, you know, she's so cold. She won't see her own son who needs her. Yeah. So um, she won't. But at some point in here, it's mentioned that children are size, that children are their art. That they are the psi art. Sorry. Children are size. Yes. Oh my goodness. Children are size art because they are the legacy that they leave behind. Um, And they don't create other art there because of silence. They don't paint. They don't write. Yeah. They don't sing because they're toneless. 
So the way that they mix their genes, that Mm -hmm. becomes their legacy. And we also learn that the reason that that um, Ashaya is a hostage is not just because they took her and because she's the only person they feel that can work on um, protocol one, which is Mm -hmm. making the hive mind. But they they took her, they took her son Mm -hmm. and they also tied her tubes. Right. Yeah. You're skipping way ahead, but as a way to mention there, is it? Yeah. That they tied her tubes and they threatened her reproductive abilities. So yeah, aside from, because a real side wouldn't necessarily care that much about this one child. They wouldn't have um, the motherly love and instincts for this child, but if they stopped their ability to reproduce, yeah, that is, it's pretty disturbing. Yeah. But also the thing you said about their the genetic mixing being part of the art, like that gives a whole new reason, a whole new energy to the diversity of it all. You know, like we, I like diversity personally, just because I like seeing people who look like me and my mm-hmm. friends and other people that I know on the page. But as like a theme of, you know, like a minor theme in the series, it's not just, okay, it's diverse because the world is diverse. It's also diverse because that is an art form that is mixing up cultures and races and having mm-hmm. people who are multiracial and multicultural is just a way to create art. I mean, that's, I think that's a really cool way to think about yeah. it as well. Yeah, I think that I, th- I agree. Okay. So well, we didn't so- talk about the meet cute. I want to talk about this meet cute when they first meet because we haven't had a really good meet cute in the series since Vaughn, Va- since Vaughn and Faith, like Clay and Tally, they already knew each other. Um, Brenna and, and Judd already knew each other. We didn't see them meet on the page. I love seeing people meet on the page. I always feel a little bit cheated, like second chance romances, not my favorite thing. Cause I like to see them meet on the page. And I loved this meet cute that he's a little bit bitter and she's a little bit snarky and he's saving her. But at first he's like, uh, let me just see what she can do. He doesn't save her immediately. You know, she's up the tree hiding from the links and he just kind of sees what's happening first. And then of course he saves her. He's not going to put her in actual danger. He does have this huge chip on his shoulder about Sai in general, because his sister was murdered by a Sai. And that's a huge point of conflict between the two of them. But uh, yeah, I, I liked that meet cute. Also the, the initial romantic conflict that he's initially attracted to her. I mean, okay. Technically they met in the last. Book. I didn't want to. I didn't want to spoil it. You're right. You're right. Okay. But they, they had a little conversation. This is still counts to me as a meeting okay. because they had like a two sentence conversation and he was like, had, he had a gun pointed on her, <laughs> but this is still a meet cute in my mind mm-hmm. because it's like I a agree. longer, a longer situation. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> so they, so yeah, they did have that, that other meet cute and he's been thinking about her and attracted to her ever since and, and upset with himself over it. And she has too, which is, which is, was in the epigraphs. Like she started to talk about how she couldn't stop thinking about him and dreams this is there's more dream i don't think there's dream dream sex in this no but there's dream interactions (laughs) between these people which is just a a recurring theme where yeah she's literally been dreaming about him and i think he was dreaming about her or at least Mm -hmm. obsessed with her so yeah so but but you know you know me i love the fun and games leslie likes the meet cute i love the fun and games the falling in love moments and my favorite was when he gets her back to the safe house and um, she has an organizer and they're trying to crack the organizer. They're trying to p- crack the passcode and they're flirting over trying to crack this piece of technology. And she sees, oh, he likes technology. This is kind of interesting. And yeah, 
I love he's actually he's good at it. Like she's surprised that he knows how to use it better than she does because she has been using this old tech so that she could keep it private and encrypted and keep her secrets safe. But um, her her allies had given her this new piece of tech when she you know faked her death. And yeah, Dorian knows all the apps, and she's like, whoa. <laughs> and that's not very relatable. Like, if you're a tech person, if you're like a super smart person, whatever, it's, I guess the competence pouring back again. Like, if you see someone does something really well, and even if it's something you can't do really well, especially if it is, but even if it's something you do a little bit, I don't know. It is nice to see. It's very attractive that someone has mm -hmm. skills in things. That so it's see. like they're on, a, they're on a date when he rescues her from the links that he runs with her through the forest. Then they're on a date when they get back to the the little um oh at first she um she did hurt herself the links hurt her and she has to get fixed up and that's when she's like I don't want to see my kid and then they flirt over the cracking of the code but then uh, I'm around here we start to see that um the person we know that that there's another person Amara and that um, Amara can see some of this she can sense some of this stuff and we she's don't connected really to Ashaya. And this is when we learn, and, and, and Ashaya is trying to keep her out of her head. Mm -hmm. Ashaya is also trying, Ashaya is all, she's also faked her death. So she's also trying to keep, she's still, and she's still connected to the net. So she's trying to, to keep a low profile. So she's hiding not just from the, the Cynet, she's hiding from this Amara, who we mm -hmm. soon learn is her, dun, 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 her twin, her <laughs> evil twin, of course, evil twin. Of a soap opera. Right? Yes. So there was a point in this chapter when she's getting stitched up that I found really confusing. I had to go mm -hmm. back and read it twice because Vaughn orders her. So Mercy, who was a, a Dark River Sentinel, is there and stitching her up. Right. And Vaughn orders Ashaya to go under because I can make themselves unconscious. And at first Ashaya is like, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be at these people's mercy. And so then Vaughn and Mercy have this whole conversation. And I thought that Ashaya was secretly awake for it all because I thought she had refused to put herself under. Do you remember what I'm talking no, about? No, I don't remember that. And they're talking about Anthony Kriakis. I mean, they're, they're given like secrets. And I'm like, oh, Ashaya is hearing all of this. She's going to know all of this stuff. But apparently she was really under. Like, so after she said she wasn't going to put herself under and not be no. at these people's mercy, she did anyway. I was very confused by it. So that's why at first I was like, okay, she knows all this stuff. And then I went back and reread it and it's still unclear how it worked, but it seems like she did not know any of that. So she totally really went over my head unconscious. Okay. That was just a, a detail that kind of changed the meaning of some things for me. Okay. Cause like, if we go through the rest of it and she knows some of these dark river secrets, I thought that was going to come into play, but it mm -hmm. didn't. So. But back to her twin who is who, her twin who broke silence and she is cray cray very very crazy very crazy and she imitates Am amara imitates emotions and she thinks mm. that's kind of funny um, oh because she's when she's captured by ming laban yes when she's captured by ming who is one of the um council one of the main ones who's trying to push um protocol one since he can't find ashaya he goes for her twin, thinking that she mm -hmm. will help. And he got the wrong one. I mean, I think they all know that Amara is is crazy. And I guess they kept her alive because she's useful. It seems like she's the perfect person to be rehabilitated. So it was a little convenient that she had never been rehabilitated. And she had actually never been silent. I think she was too mentally ill to be silent. I didn't understand exactly what was happening. But. Yeah, because remember, they, 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 if you're, if you're, valuable they will protect you and that's true valuable that's true 
And I guess they needed her mind intact for whatever sciencey things she was doing. Mm-hmm. So um, what happens after Ashaya, you know, gets all patched up and she's ready, she has to do something because um, she has to stop protocol one. So what she just has decided to do is she's decided to broadcast not only about protocol one, which is them making a hive mind, she also decides to broadcast about something called the Omega virus. Yeah. And so because the leopards and the wolves own a media outlet, they, conveniently, they own whatever is needed, which is, is lovely. They have sciencey things, they have satellites, they have media, they have television stations. And so she basically does a television broadcast, uh, spilling side secrets. And I loved, I loved the sort of montage. Yes, the, written, the same thing, Leslie. It's like a written montage where, okay, she starts talking, she starts spilling secrets. The side council's like, gotta shut it down. They start shutting down power. They're shutting down satellites. And then hackers are coming and try to keep it up. And then other people are like, okay, we got these extra satellites online. And it was all written, but you could see it visually as like a movie montage. And it was great. What's the montage? Montage is just those quick cut scenes where you're showing different things from different perspectives. It is literally, it's like a stew, a stew of visuals. A stew of visuals. Yeah, it's a stew all around, tied around uh, a central theme or a central purpose. And the purpose is to get this information out and to see the impact. I thought it was brilliant writing. It's like, did you read scripts, Nalini saying? Because this is what we are taught to do in screenwriting. I absolutely loved And it's hard to do in prose. It's hard Mm -hmm. to do in a book to make uh, this kind of visual, you know, it's it's with quick cuts. It felt like it was quick cuts. It felt like I was looking at it. Yeah. She did a great job. What I, what I really appreciate about this book too. um, And what I appreciate about how Nalini Singh, you you can see she loves thrillers. She loves suspense. Mm. She loves thrillers. And one of the hallmarks I believe of a suspense and a thriller is that there's always a bigger bad. Mm-hmm. So sh- we think that Ashaya is running from the council. Right. And in a sense, she is. But the bigger bad is her sister. That's who she's really scared of. That is true. Yeah. Because the council will probably just want her. They'll either kill her or they'll, you know, make her a hostage again to continue this program. But her sister can get into her mind. And her sister has some nefarious scheme for Keenan for her son. Mm-hmm. that she knows about that she's that's the real end game that like her whole life she's she's perfectly fine dying if her son is safe but she knows that amara wants to do something bad to Keenan. yeah yeah so the, the 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 race is on for ashaya to keep up her shields and not let amara in not let amara know where she is not let amara know where keenan is mm-hmm. and that keenan is still alive because keenan is out of the net now Right, but Ashaya is still linked in, and Amara is is still linked in. Um, so she's on a race for that. The problem is these feeling things that she keeps having. For one, said Dorian. Yeah, that the feelings. Whenever she's breaking silence, it allows Amara in closer into her mind. So just like with other books, she feels like she has to to stay silent. But we have a new reason. And I think it's interesting to keep sort of changing it, giving us the same thing, but different, giving us different reasons why this side character cannot feel the emotion and has to stay silent. She's protecting her mind and her son. It's lovely. And Dorian, the whole Dorian, Ashaya, the beginning, then in the first half, 
he, you know, the conflict is understandable. He doesn't want to be attracted to Asai because Asai murdered his his sister. And so you get that. But then it's it's battled, he's battling himself because the attraction is so strong mm-hmm. and it's like almost violent. And we know changelings kind of have to have touch and have to have these sensations for their, you know, or else they might go crazy. There's like these terrible consequences if they don't have this touch. But Dorian seems like he's taking it to another next level. Like we've seen Vaughn fight with this. We've seen Clay fight with this. With Dorian, it's 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 described in much more like almost violent terms. Did you mm. find that? I didn't. I thought he was just a big dummy because he was like, oh, these feelings must be lust. Let me just sleep with her and then I'll get it out of my system. There is that. There is that. But at the beginning, and even Lucas comes in, the alpha comes in and warns him. Sort of as like a warning him, like, you know, you can't just take her you know it seems like it's a warning against him like forcing her it's like oh i'd never force her but also he's warning himself not to force her like it's a lot of talk about being forced and i was like okay i'm feeling some kind of way about that yeah i was i i, I totally hear you and i totally did read that but i was just like you're you're just stupid <laughs> stupid guy that's like your brain just overing it just like okay we're not dealing with that we're just you know giving it a different tinge in our minds which is valid <laughs> So Dorian is fighting his feelings, but sometimes, you know, he lets it slip. And at um, a point where he, where he and Ashaya kiss, he senses Amara. Yes, because the emotion has allowed the sister closer. He feels just like Vaughn felt this other presence with um, Faith Faith. when the evil was, you know, tracking her. Somehow they can feel someone else in this person's mind, which Mm -hmm. is really interesting. Yeah. Um, And what stops the kissy poo at that point and the attraction at that point is Ashaya confesses that she has protected a psychopath her entire life she doesn't say who but that's right. enough for for dorian to back up and she does it on purpose knowing because by this time she, she knows about his sister and uh she knows it's gonna that's gonna like cut him off at the yeah. knees I also want to mention that with Ashaya being an M side, um, Nalini Singh puts a loaded gun early on in the book saying that she can um, read DNA, like on a really deep, like beyond a microscope. And she asked Dorian for a sample of his blood. And it's a total loaded gun because you know that gun is going to go off at some point. So I'm just, I'm just noting that she she did this early on in the book because Dorian is latent. He can't shift. He can't transform into his leopard. Um, so you know we've had the faith in a previous book had a vision of him as a leopard. I think you know anytime you meet a latent shifter in a shifter book, at some point they're <laughs> going to have to become a shifter. Yes. Like that just seems to be the trope. Um, it would be interesting. Like, is that ableist? <laughs> is that whole notion? I mean, to some degree, yeah, I, I wonder. I I think she handled it well in the, I think she, uh, because it's, y'all know y'all getting spoilers because either you read the book or you didn't. <laughs> but I think, I think Singh handles it well because um, it's not when, when Ashaya thinks she's solved it, it's not an immediate mm-hmm. shift. Right. It takes it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And at a certain point I was like, I know he's going to, but maybe, maybe she didn't, maybe he's okay. Like he'd, he'd built up all these skills. He became a sniper and an architect and a pilot. Like they list all these things he did to make up for the fact that he could not shift like everyone else. But inside his leopard is stuck and it's actually hurting him. It's causing him harm. And it's, we get the idea that if it never happens, maybe 
something bad could happen to him, like the, you know, the, the leopard's clawing inside of him, causing him physical pain because he can't change forms. So, yeah. So one of the things that we also learned during this time is this is when we learn, we, we, we've learned of Amara, but then now we learned who Ileana was and Ileana was their mother. Mm-hmm. She was a rebel and she was killed by the council for her rebellious nature against the Synet. Yeah. We don't get a lot about her. We don't really get any flashbacks, but the thing that sh- we do get is that at some point, Ileana made Ashaya promise to take care and protect her sister. Her, protect her, her evil twin who's done terrible things to her. And so Ashaya, throughout the book, she's like, she's my responsibility. I was born first. I'm the older sister. I have to take care of my twin. I promised my mother. And to a point that's like beyond reason a little bit, but it, it underscores the theme that we've been talking about of these books about family, about, you know, connectedness, about not let, leaving people behind. Ashaya is doing that to the point where leaving Amara alive threatens everything, threatens her. At a certain point, it threatens her son, but she knows she can't be the one to to kill her sister, to end her sister. And like, it's good that Amara hasn't actually ever killed anyone. We know she's off her meds if she's ever on any meds. And she, she is has, off her meds, but she has, there's a vision that she will. Faith has a vision. Right, right. And Amara's going down that path because she is a true sociopath. She has no emotions. She has no conscience, which makes her a great scientist. <laughs> but <laughs> not a great, a great sigh. and a great sigh yes even though she's not silent she has no emotions so she so she should be silent but she's not because she's just that's so <laughs> at this point though um amara ashaya does go and visit keenan but it's during an emergency um she she gets a sense so i guess her mother son instinct wasn't gone because she gets a, a right. sense that keenan is in danger he's in trouble and she rushes to she keenan's with tamson she rushes to him and he's he looks like he's comatose because he's gone so deep inside of his mind because he missed her and he knew that if he did that she would come Mm. and it's really great that you know dorian's been battling his feelings for her been thinking okay she's just a cold side she won't see her son but witnessing her maternal instincts everything changes for Dorian. His whole situation, his whole look outlook on life seems to change because he realizes he's been a jerk and she really is not what she seems. And she obviously loves her son. She's obviously not silent. Yeah. So after the mom, dad, mom, son, excuse me, after mom, son reunion, then here come the baby daddy. <laughs> baby daddy drama. <laughs> So the baby daddy we're, we're led to understand is this elderly gentleman who's a side named Zia Zen. And I just love saying the name Zia Zen. That's just the coolest thing. Okay. He's a baby daddy. He's older. He has excellent. He, he got, he has more kids than Nick Cannon. Because Do we know his how many kids he are has? Excellent. He has a lot. I don't think they ever said a number, but his <laughs> genes are very, I remember her saying the genes, his genes were very popular and he had a lot of kids. Which made him the perfect sort of, uh, I don't know if it's a patsy, but the perfect person <laughs> to be Keenan's father. Because we learn later, he's not technically the biological father, but he is playing the role to protect Amara and, and Keenan to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Dorian, so they meet Zizen in um, this warehouse because he has a message for Ashaya for some reason. And Dorian finds out that that's her baby daddy and gets jealous, even <laughs> this old man. <laughs> And they know that there was no sex involved because mostly Sai use, you know, external 
in vitro probably yeah. some kind of futuristic in vitro I but he's like daddy king vibes really Please. i really did because this guy this man was older his total age gap he was older she was younger and um at some point he she kind of defies him and he basically pulls rank and gets dominant and you can see her go submissive i, I think we were in dorian's per- per- perspective yes. when we saw when this was going on and he sees it too and he's that's when i felt like his hackles really went up when he was like what is happening here She's clearly into this guy. That's how I read it. Okay. I read it a completely different way. <laughs> so I read it, you know, same thing that, that, you know, Zia Zen says something, she's going against him. Then she backs down and Dorian is like, oh, wait, that's not a romantic vibe. That's like a daddy vibe, but not like a sex daddy vibe. Like a, I thought for a moment that Zia Zen was actually her biological father. Like she was actually relating to him as a actual daughter does a father. And Dorian backed up because he was like, oh, that's a different relationship. I haven't seen her show that some anyone that level of respect and deference before. That's Everybody how I read it. Read it and then let us know your take. Let us know it. in the comments on YouTube what your perspective on that re- relationship mm-hmm. was. Are you team Inez or team Leslie? Yeah. <laughs> Are you team Daddy Kink or team Hi Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> And you should know, like, Daddy King is not my thing at all, even slightly. It no. really ekes me out, but that's the vibe I got. And that's the vibe you were looking for. for <laughs> I was not looking for that at all, but that was what was on the page. Okay. And then, so, um, here we come with another chase scene. Nalini does good chase. Um, so, we learn the sire on their trail as they're trying, or as her and Dorian are trying to get back. And, um, this is when we, we, I don't know if we learn it now, but we definitely start to learn the extent that, that Ashaya has, no, we did learn it before. Ashaya has severe claustrophobia. Mm, right. Because her sister buried her alive. Oh like, why is she protecting this woman? I mean, I get it. It's her sister. You know, you can't. And they're twins. Related. And they're twins and they're very connected. And, and they say at one point that in, among Psy, if one twin dies, usually the other one dies because they're so mentally and psychically connected. Still. Your sister buried you alive. Yeah. I feel like she needs to be, there needs to be some sort of distance there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, her and Dorian have to go, well, they almost have to go down into these tunnels, but he sees how freaked out she is and he figures out another way around. But this is when we learn about her being buried alive and that that's when she broke silence. 14 years ago, when when she was 14, when she was 14. Yeah. She broke silence because of that. Right. They were, they were, it was 14 and I think they finished at 16 at 16 right and so it broke for yeah. her and she's been faking it ever since like her mom f- knew and was like you have to fake this this is the only way that you're going to survive so she and she became very very good at faking it we'd see her able to put on that armor and pretend and nobody not even ming Lebon, who's supposed to be you know really amazing psychically could tell he was a little suspicious of her behavior but she has successfully pretended to be silent all this time and she's not um so we see so as as she and dorian are escaping this latest threat and he learns this about her as they're heading back to dark river territory we see um we see a sigh running in the street and this girl is she's been stabbed covered in in blood yeah she's been stabbed and she dies shortly after that yeah we and nalini takes a minute to show us the degradation of the sign net and what's happening 
So mm-hmm. we, we are, we, protocol one is set up to us. It's like, this is awful. This is the worst thing that could ever happen. But I feel like Nalini Singh is also showing us like, y'all don't really, um, y'all saw Sasha break out. Y'all saw Faith break out, but you don't really understand what's happening in the Cynet. And she gives a minute to start to show the cracks in the Cynet and what it's doing to people. Yeah, because apparently the Psy family, the father, you know, it was a whole murder-suicide situation with everybody in the family. And it's just bloodbath that Dorian walks into. And, you know, he's already starting to have more compassion for the Psy because of Ashaya. And I think here he finds himself being very compassionate because he, you know, he's carrying this this girl who basically died in his arms. And he's in danger because he knows Psy are going to come and clean the scene up shortly. Fortunately, they do. But fortunately, Vasic, our teleporter, Arrow, comes and warns him off and gets him to leave before everyone else comes. But yeah, we're seeing that the Dark Mind, apparently, that, you know, twin of the Net Mind, we have this mm-hmm. twin theme coming through that is the, all of the darkness that they've, they've uh, siloed off because of silence is turning some side crazy, even though the silence is supposed to protect them from that. So that's just being threaded through. All of these books, I think it's probably going to get more and more prominent as we go through the series. And you see when Vasic, because um, Vasic, Vasic is sent in as a cleanup crew. Yeah. And Vaughn is like, what, Vaughn? Dorian. Dorian is like, why are you doing this? Why are you letting this happen? And you see Vaughn, Vasic, all these names, you see Vasic kind of break. And he's like, I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired of this. I, that's what I really felt like that scene was doing. It wasn't just for Dorian to kind of right. give him um, an, a, an emotional breakdown. It was also for us to see, because we haven't had like two sigh, um mm. anything like that. We've only seen run away from the sigh. And now we're sitting in this house with them through this carnage. And we're seeing the, the threads of the rebellion and the people who are trying to do something, but they also have to, it's like they're being abused and then they have to go home to their abuser. Mm, yeah. And I mean, here, you know, we've met Vasic, already interested, already waiting for his book, where, you know, at this point, because <laughs> of these glimpses that you're getting of him, I, that's how, the first time through, I was like, ooh, when is, when is this book coming? <laughs> Because I just want to know more, you know? He seems yeah. very silent. It's like another Judd. He's an arrow. Mm-hmm. I love the arrows, even though they're, you know, awful. But, like, the, the rebel arrows are, are kind of, like, the most interesting characters. And just creating... Because we see Vasek, he's always popping in and out. Like, he's doing a lot. But he's got this super powerful um, telekinetic mm-hmm. ability. Not, not what's it called? Um, teleportation ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a true teleporter, which most of them aren't. And seeing how rebels are created like imagine this man's life as an arrow cleaning up all the stuff doing all this dirt yeah. you know probably killing people that he didn't want to kill yeah of course he's going to be if he has any conscience at all he'll be a rebel yeah <sighs> around this time is when faith tells us um her her new prediction um she's seeing that the the net mine is controlling um the dark the mind darkness. yeah the dark mind is controlling um the darkness in Psy. And in all Psy? I thought we it, knew that before. Yeah, we, we we did know it before, but she's she's taking a moment to explain it. And she talks about Amara specifically and about Dorian. Yeah. So she says, I think she tells us that the dark mind has Amara or that Amara is going to, is about to 
from now from here up until now she's been like your friendly neighborhood sociopath but she's going to make a turn and start murdering people and also dorian something bad's gonna happen to dorian either he's gonna shift or he's gonna die is what i wrote down okay yeah yeah and also we're starting around here we're getting this mysterious group of bad guys in venice and in san francisco and we're getting a few short chapters from their perspective like they want Ashaya also. So we have more players on the stage. The council is after her. Her sister's after her. These mysterious bad guys are after her too. And so, Dorian's after her too. Well, Dorian doesn't want to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> These people want to kill her. Or I guess her sister does not want to kill her. Her sister wants to kill Dorian. But um, it's just more more stakes being raised. Mm-hmm. That's interesting though, because the, the council and the Venice group, they want to use her. Mm-hmm. Dorian and Amara want her full attention on them oh yeah so she's being pulled in so many different directions and all she wants is to keep her son safe that's it you know they there's some book or there's some theory in writing about how the antagonist and the protagonist have the same goal mm-hmm. and so if you think about um dorian and amara as antagonists because they both want all of ashaya's love and attention mm-hmm. they're after the same goal um that just popped into my head is being kind of interesting because yeah. yeah, that's that's what they're looking for. Where other mm-hmm. people want to kill her, they want everything else from her. Mm-hmm. There were so many parallels. That's really interesting because there were so many parallels with um, Dorian and his dearly departed sister Kylie, Kylie. right? And Amara and Ashea. Um, both Dorian and Ashea feel guilt over their sisters they Mm. both felt the need to protect them they're both older siblings oh yeah too yeah they both felt shame over dorian feels shame that he didn't save his sister Mm -hmm. and shea feels shame that she is pulling away from her sister Mm. i i felt like there was also a rage at dorian's uh, raging at what was done to his sister Mm-hmm. And Ashea is raging at what was done to her by her sister. Yeah. There's, 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 um, there's this brokenness too. So there's so many comparisons that these two have in terms of their sisters. Um, and at, at one point, Amara uses that. She's like, "It's my baby sister," you know. And Dorian is like, "Oh, I know what it's like to have a baby sister." Mm-hmm. Even though I, I don't want Amara anywhere near her. I understand that basically he couldn't kill Amara either because that would destroy Ashaya. Yeah. And invoking his sister was a way to really make it clear where I don't think it was before to Dorian's mind, like how serious this is. Yeah. So we learned that sex strengthens her shields. Yay. Booty call. (laughs) Cause she's afraid. She's afraid of, because Amara can literally see inside her mind, but when Mm -hmm. she is intimate in any way with Dorian, Something is protecting her mind and keeping mm-hmm. Amara out. And that allows them to actually move into sexy times. Mm-hmm. And I think that this was actually my favorite sex scene in the series. So oh, far. yeah? Yeah. Like, because I didn't love the interactions between Dorian and Ashai early on. But then once that midpoint hits, once he stops being a jerk, stops being an alpha hole and realizes that he, you know, she is worthy of respect. And also that then he realizes eventually that she's his mate. Mm-hmm. He stops being so mean. I don't like it when they're mean. Mm. And we see it move forward. And I think that this was the hottest sex scene that she's written in the series so far. And it really, it it moved the relationship forward so much. It just did a lot of work. Wow. Um, 
yeah, it, it goes on my list of favorites. Up into this That's point. high praise, Miss Singh. <laughs> so this is also when we learn that Amara is Keenan's biological mother. Mm-hmm. But Amara saw Keenan as a science experiment, not her baby boy. And she embedded him with this virus, this Omega virus, mm-hmm. which, you know, we learned that was supposed to make the psi infertile, like as a, as a means of control. But of course, it was it wouldn't just be the psi. Like, so we've talked about their their children, their legacy, it's their art. Yeah. A way of controlling them is making them infertile. We, that had been done to Ashai. Her tubes were tied against her consent, like with, without her consent. And so, yeah, that whole idea, that fertility, family, connection, all of these themes are coming back into play. And so, yeah, Amara created Keenan, and he doesn't actually have a father. Like the sperm was some amalgamation of DNA so that no one could have ownership over him but her. Ownership over her science experiment. And she wants that, to finish off this science experiment. That's why she's killing wants him. To- killing yeah. him is the way to to do that so that she can study his brain and see what was happening. Like she wants to dissect this little boy. Yeah. And Keenan knows. Um, he knows he knows that he has a mother and that he has uh, a mommy. A mommy. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and he's afraid. Like he 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 distinguishes that to him. It's very clear that his, his mother is not someone he wants to deal with, mm-hmm. but his mommy protects him and loves him. Yeah. yeah. Dorian is like, this is my family now. And he wants to tear the silence down from around Ashaya. He wants her to get out. And, and part of it is also like he needs the whole um, changeling thing about needing the touch mm-hmm. uh, and needing her to drop silence, but understanding that that's going to put Keenan, who he already loves, at risk and put Ashaya at risk also. But but Dorian doesn't just want Ashaya to come out of silence. He wants it gone. He wants oh, it right. Gone, period. And Ashaya thinks that there should be, people should have a choice because some people really need the silence and some people don't. And mm-hmm. that there should be, right now they have no choice. And Protocol yeah. 1 will, will give them even less of a choice. So she wants there to be a choice. And I felt like the dark moment of this book, because I, th- I think we're, we're, we're beyond that, we're, we're past the midpoint. Um, I feel like the dark moment is him admitting that she's a traitor. Excuse me, him admitting his love for her is kind of him being a traitor to his to sister. sister. Mm, yeah. yeah. And there's also a part where you know they're they've they've had sex they've kind of agreed that they're into each other but there's a darkness within him that's threatening their bond and yeah. that darkness yeah. is part of that guilt and that shame about you know having a mate who is a sigh who are these people that he hated and even even though you know Sasha and Faith are cool um the fact that he is in love with a sigh yeah is is causing something dark within him and that goes back to faith's vision of him you know something bad happening to him is that and and ashaya realizes this like she knows that she is the reason the darkness in him is growing because he was getting a little bit better yeah you know and then she met he met her and it gets worse and she still has this darkness attached to her it's it's still like the whole twin thing like the good twin bad twin and ashaya Mm -hmm. knows that if she leaves if she she's been hiding out everybody's looking for her but she's still linked up to the net and she's hiding out in the net some kind of way and waving him is not explained well net mind i think we know that the net mind is probably protecting her. i think they talk about that at the very end yeah but yeah 
there's a Scooby-Doo exactly. that happens at the end. We're, we're almost there. <laughs> but in the meantime, Ashaya knows that if she leaves the net, because when they when they leave the net, it's like a death. They they go kicking and screaming. Um, and remember, it, it's it's the idea is introduced that if one twin dies, the other one can follow. Mm-hmm. If Ashaya leaves the net and dies, and she no longer has a connection to her twin, Amara's gone too. Right. And that's another reason why Ashai doesn't want to leave and doesn't, because still, she still needs to protect her twin. Throughout the whole thing, she needs to protect her twin. And it's a good conflict because as a reader, you're not sure how this is going to work out because you don't, you know, Amara is deadly and she's dangerous to Keenan and everyone else. But you see this link and you know, if someone else, even not Dorian, if another pack member takes Amara out, Ashai is still going to be impacted and harmed. So it's a great conflict because you really don't know how it's going to work out. Luckily, they capture Amara. Yeah. And it wasn't that difficult. Like Amara <laughs> finds Ashaya. She's not really trying to hide. She's she's off in her own world. She's just like, she can track her sister mentally. So she just walks up to them and they're like, okay, we're going to tie you up now. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much what happens. She but she better. plays these mind games with Sasha. Sasha, Sasha comes t- to try to talk to her. And Sasha has to leave. Like Amara, it's like a Hannibal Lecter situation where, you know, Sasha goes and she, and Amara is they untie her at some point because she's not a physical threat. She doesn't have a way to actually attack anyone, but she uses her words as weapons and Sasha cannot handle it as a empath, as an Esai. Yeah. She has to actually leave yeah. the premises. But eventually the link is cut to the net. When Dorian takes a bullet for Shia, she's going to do another broadcast. And um, the Psy infiltrate the broadcast and they- It's a bullet meant for Ashaya that Dorian steps in front of and it it hits his carotid. So he bleeds out fast. Yes. She's an M-Psy. She tries to save him. She basically um, links with him. Did we miss, Leslie, did we miss where Ashaya- drops out of the net and she links with Dorian? When does that so, happen? That, that's here. That's so here we are. Okay. Yeah, because she, you know, she's an M-side, but she can't heal. She doesn't have, she right. only sees DNA. She's not useful anyway right. in this emergency situation. So, so she putting, cuts the link. She's putting, well, she's putting pressure on the wound and she's feeding him energy. And I think that during that process. She cuts the link. Yeah, I don't know if it's even like she cut the link is cut because she's feeding him so much energy she's accepted she accepts the mating bond because she knows that's the only way to keep him alive she's feeding him energy she cuts the link and she reaches out and grabs her sister like mentally psychically and brings her into the web of stars because that's the only way her sister can survive and i I don't know if cutting the link is actually conscious i think because it's a way to save dorian's life Mm -hmm. like she can't do both so she instinctively accepts the mating bond. And I think at that point, the link to the signet is cut as well. But then here's the, the not least thing is a smart woman. She's an amazing storyteller, but she's a smart woman because she she made us think, how is this going to work? She can't, right. these twins can't be separated. She won't kill her twin. She wants to link with Dorian. So Ashaya reaches out, grabs Amara and Amara saves, because it's Ashaya is now dying. Yes. And Amara saves Ashaya mm-hmm. so that Ashaya can continue to, to save right. Dorian. And then the found family then come and push their energy into Sasha to it's beautiful. 
Right. It is. It really is. It's like we we see the twins helping each other. Then we find out that the, all of the other, well, that Faith and Sasha and Lucas are able to push their energy into Dorian. They push it into Dorian to save Ashaya and then also saving Amara. Like it, it links back and it's all the family. And the, yeah. And then they're all unconscious and go to the hospital. <laughs> all three of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. But then, um, so everybody's happy and whole. Um, but the book is not over. I know. Fifteen like percent oh, left or something. <laughs> that is the worst. And I know you readers feel us when you see. Oh look, everyone's happy. Holy right? crap! We're only at eighty <laughs> percent. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, like, what? No, what is happening now? No. <laughs> like that's the worst thing that you could have done. Like, what else are you going to do to me? I seriously have abandoned books that have been at like the 80% mark and you're like I can't I I'm scared can't. of what's gonna happen next if I have this much book left absolutely that happens all the time so I was here reading thinking like okay there's there's definitely threads left so here we are at that 80% mark and um there's still more plot to be had because um we don't really understand what was going on with how Sasha how uh Ashaya evaded the 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 council while she was still in the signet um and faith and sasha in my opinion had a speech in the praise of a villain moment here where well tell us what that is <laughs> think of it as like the scooby-doo moment so whenever there's a scooby-doo mystery right they um they don't know who the villain are and they're going around they're looking at all the clues and then you hear you have like um normally um daphne and velma explain how the villain did the whole thing so this is kind of the speech and praise of the villain. The <laughs> villain says, this is why I did everything and this is how I did it. Or someone else, like the the um the uh the the the, the mystery person, the cop, the the, oh, the, the investigator. Detective, the investigator will explain like how everything got done. Or so, or also just how tell you how bad the villain is. It gives you an idea of how formidable this opponent actually is. Yes. So Faith and Shasta. Faith and Sasha take a moment and they explain about the dark mind and all those connections. They explain about um, Faith's visions with Amara and Ashaya and how Ashaya wasn't getting seen in the net. And they just, they just kind of take a moment to explain it. So they have that moment, but then there's still some things that are left. We've got loose, loose ends. Some loose ends. This mysterious group from Venice who we've seen mm -hmm. infiltrating and trying to attack. And there's some council loose ends too. We don't know at this point who tried to murder Ashaya uh, mm -hmm. in the television studio. Yeah. So, yeah. And we also have that loaded gun that still has to go off because Ashaya took a look at uh, Dorian's DNA. DNA. Yeah. We've got some things left. That's why we're at 80% unless we're concluded. <laughs> So yeah, they they deal with Amara and they they put her someplace where she can be of use, but away from Ashaya, so that she's kind of something has to happen to to convince her not to kill Keenan. Though I can't remember, they have some kind of conversation or negotiation because after she wakes up, she's still trying to kill Dorian. They psychically release her, which I didn't understand. Right, that's what happens. So actually, Amara allows herself to believe to be leashed. Amara's like, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop trying to kill Dorian. Yeah. I'm not going to stop trying to kill Keenan. So if you want me to stop, then, and I know you're not going to kill me because you're my sister, 
I will allow you to psychically <laughs> me and to control me if you think I'm getting out of pocket. That's basically what happened. Yeah, that is what happened. You're right. And they stole her. They give her a job somewhere far away and, you know, everything is cool because they know that she's still going to be herself. They're not able to change her, mm-hmm. but they figured out a way to keep her from causing harm. Yeah. And we learn more about the human alliance and um, that attack. And then there's another attack. On the big attack. The big attack on this family, on Ashaya, Dorian, Austin. and Keenan, as they're like in a car ride, having fun, going Driving down home. the road. And then there's a massive attack on them. Like 50 human soldiers come and they're well organized. And, you know, neither the changelings nor the Psy really respect humans. We learned that in Tally, Tally and um, Clay's book, you know, the, the humans kind of are seen as third class citizens, mm-hmm. as the worker bees. But we've got this mysterious group in Venice called the Human Alliance, and we find out that they are trying to step things up a notch. They want to be taken seriously. They see the cracks in the council. They see the changelings taking control, and they're like, no, they can't have it all anymore. So for some reason that we don't know quite – well, it has to do with the Omega, with this virus. Mm-hmm. Like if there is this – if Ashaya knows about virus. this psi virus, then that can help put the humans on top. So they send these elite soldiers, and it's just Dorian, Ashaya, and Keenan in some trees – getting them off <laughs> until help comes it's a good scene the wrong, they picked the wrong one yeah yeah they thought it was going to be a leopard against 50 uh 50 humans well-trained soldiers but dorian since he couldn't shift is worth he has all these other skills yeah he's a good sniper we know that he and he and he's trained his body in human form to be just as good as a leopard so he's ready yeah he's ready. they were expecting someone on all fours and no mm-hmm. they get this man who is also a leopard and he picks them off one at a time and um it's amara that helps to save them because ashaya has to call out they have no way to communicate and Mm -hmm. ashaya has to call out and the person who hears her is her sister yeah because they're always still linked and then amara i guess calls her back up and then there's wolves and there's leopards and people show up everybody comes (laughs) don't mess with these people (laughs) right they should i mean they learn today the humans learn it's don't mess with these people because yeah yeah human alliance you think you you're upset with this with the council understandable but here's the thing this group this group is their their web of stars is is all three it's the way that it was supposed to be so you really Mm -hmm. are messing with the wrong one these Mm -hmm. are these are i can't even say humanity this this is the society though at its highest potential that's who this found family is Mm -hmm. so they win yeah Dorian wins, um, protects his family, and then the last thing we have to do yeah. is turn him into a leopard for real yeah. for real. The, the loaded gun <laughs> has to go off. Yes. And so he goes, go, undergoes some kind of gene therapy that he doesn't think works. And this is the epilogue. In, yeah. the, epilogue, in the epilogue, they're camping, and all of a sudden, he doesn't feel so good. <laughs> he just, like, turns into <laughs> a leopard. His tummy hurts. His tummy hurts. And everything is too low to the ground, or he's too low to the ground. and. Yeah. And she has to be like, yo, give into it. You're shifting. And he's like, what? But it's nice. It's it's kind of like the Brenna, when Brenna gets her shifting back at the end mm-hmm. of her book. Um, but he has, and he runs off and he, and he doesn't know how to run. He's like a child on all fours until he figures it out. Yeah. And she did, she, 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 she fakes it. I don't remember. I think we talked about this briefly. She did fake us out because Ashaya figured this out earlier in the book. Right. Right. what was wrong and how to fix it and then she she thinks she fixed it but he doesn't shift and so he's devastated 
and he gets he he works to get over it again and so we're out of the chapters and we're in the epilogue when this happens nice fake yeah it's it's, it's like one extra little bit of tension because she could have made it easy but Mm -hmm. she didn't Mm -hmm. and it's like you know we're gonna keep turning the pages because we want to know and that is the story of how this hostage came to pleasure (laughs) i like how you tied that back thank you i thought you would nicely done but yeah overall i thought it was good i um it the quibbles i had with their relationship in the beginning turn around at the midpoint and then i i like them together more Mm -hmm. because it was a little bit tough reading all of his his inner conflict with his leopard wanting her and it being sort of a little too mean and violent for me Mm -hmm. i can't argue with that um her Nalini Singh's quintessential hero is this guy who is like ill feelings. And even though they're leopards and changelings and wolves, they're like, oh, I'm feeling some stuff. Right? They're still men. <laughs> they're still men. And we're set up for Mercy's story to be next. We have a little mm-hmm. a lot more sc- screen time with Mercy, who's been around since book one. She's a, she's the only female sentinel of Dark River. There are now that Dorian's matched up, there's no more men in her uh, pack that are as dominant as she is, which is a problem for her. <laughs> so yeah, we have this strong woman. What is she going to do? She's got to look elsewhere. Got to look elsewhere. I wonder which direction she's going to look, Leslie. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> looking forward to it. Yes. Hopefully you guys will join us with Mercy's book in two weeks. In the meantime, Miss Leslie, since we've been reading about all this in magic, do you have any everyday magic that you would like to share with the class? Yeah, I feel like, you know, there's a quote from Paulo Coelho that the universe is conspiring to help you. And there's just been numerous things that I've been reading and seeing that are sort of making something clear. Like I'm trying to plan for 2024. I'm trying to do my ideas. Like what do I want to focus on? What do I want to be doing? And there's this quote by Elizabeth Gilbert that came to me yesterday that says, create whatever causes a revolution in your heart. And I just love that so much. And so I'm thinking of where do I want to focus my energy next year? What is causing a revolution in my heart, whether it's writing wise, business wise, personally, And I think I'm going to take the rest of this year, we're still recording this in December, to just really think about that and like make some notes, make some plans, um, maybe do some quarterly planning, some yearly planning about the things that are just, you know, being revolutionary in my own heart. And that feels very magical to me that I'm, I'm getting this message in different ways over the past few weeks. And I'm loving it. So I'm listening. What about you, Inez? Anything magical happening in your world? So, yes. I just finished Nano, which, yay, um, I do that every month. (laughs) (laughs) Right? At least 50,000 words a month. (laughs) But, um, and it's funny because I don't usually track the words. You know, I I write by chapters. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I give myself stickers, star stickers, sparkly star stickers for every 500 words. But then I probably forget about it until the next day when I'm trying to earn more star stickers because that's just how my achiever mind works. But... I got to get myself a present for Nano and I'm so thrilled at the present that I got. I got myself, I like to, um, you know, I'm a businesswoman. So of course I plan in bullet journals because who needs spreadsheets when you can have three bullet journals. So I, um, for my two pen names, I have a pen name, Shanae Johnson, and I have my pen name, Ines Johnson. Shanae is always green and Ines is always purple. And I found these two beautiful shades of bullet journals. 
They are so <laughs> gorgeous. But not only that, I also got I'm I'm a Tombow girl. Tombow Futunosuke markers. I love Tombow Futunosuke, but I keep hearing people talking about the Ohuhu markers. I know it sounds like I'm talking nonsense. Tombow and Ohuhu. It's a whole other language. It's a whole other language. language. It really is. But I got for winning Nano, I got myself a set of 160 Ohuhu markers. And then I sat up last night and I organized these 160 markers in a beautiful ombre. And that brings joy. It brought joy. Now, 160 markers, that brings your total marker collection to like 3,000, <laughs> right? <laughs> we need to have a picture of your office to see how many pens and markers Ness Johnson has. I don't think it would has. fit in the, the screen. <laughs> in the frame. We need like a panoramic shot to get them all in. Pretty much. I have my little like three or four cups of pens and markers and yeah. it's. I get so excited when I go to a store and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get this for Leslie. And Leslie's just like, why? I don't need this. I'm I'm trying to become a minimalist. My goal is just to minimize my possessions. I threw out hundreds of pens. I cleaned out my Why would you tell me this? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm triggering you. I apologize. But I, I still have dozens left. So thank you. That calms my nerves. <laughs> Can I steal my, my everyday magic? No, I, I appreciate it. I, I feel your joy. I love the ombre. Color code it. Yes. yes. Bring it on. Yes. All right. What else is going on in Leslie World that our listeners should know, should know about? Always writing, always more books. Um, if you are a writer, you can catch me on my Footnotes newsletter, which comes out every Monday. It's my newsletter for writers. It is at myimaginaryfriends.net slash footnotes. And you can learn more about my Imaginary World Building course and the other courses that I'm working on and just have some inspiration for your writing life. What about you, Ines? So if it's January, you are a little too late for my new Four Books a Year course that I'm running to show you how not only to write a book in a quarter, but to market it and to brand yourself. And we have week uh, monthly masterminds where you get to come and be in the spotlight and we all help you to solve a problem. Um, so if it's January, you're a little too late for that. Make sure to take a look um, at my website, anesrice.com forward slash the number four B-A-Y for books a year. But what's perpetually open is my Pace Turner Pacing course. And I liken these two courses where if you are a lone wolf, then you want to take the Pace Turner Pacing course at anessarice.com forward slash PTP for Pace Turner Pacing. But if you need pack, then you need to take the four books a year course, which will open up again in March. And I would love to see you there. You can go to either one of those URLs to find out more. Awesome. So guys, we want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I hope you had some fun and you just got into it with these characters and you're ready to read the next book. Please let us know what you think. You can leave a comment on YouTube with your thoughts on the episode. You can also share it with a friend who loves romance, specifically romance with a bite. But please make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can always check out our book schedule on our website, inkandmagic.net. And you can also catch up on episodes you might have missed there. Uh, But read along with us. We would love to have you join us. And we'll see you the next time. Bye. Bye.